Good day, mate. How you going? And welcome to episode five of Launch and Learn. In this podcast, we talk to entrepreneurs about their experiences in starting and launching startups. This podcast is hosted by Matthias Dickerhof and Alexander Thompson. Today, we have Anya Wilmson as a guest, and she's going to talk to us about Chilio, a food tech startup that sells healthy superfoods. Anya will talk us through her experience of starting and running a food business, bootstrapping, and having a healthy mindset. Hello, Anya, and welcome to Launch and Learn. Hello. Great to have you. Thank you very much. Now, the biggest question today will probably be, you know, what are you eating for dinner? For dinner? Well, my boyfriend is actually in the kitchen and preparing the dinner for later. He's making um, some oven veggies, as far as I know, with some um, hummus dip. And uh, I saw some potatoes on, on the stove. I think that's it. Well, great. So today we will talk about your company, Shilio. Now, mm -hmm. before we get into that, it would be great if you could share with us, you know, what was your journey leading up to that? You know, where are you from and where did you go to school and, you know, what work did you do? Uh, yeah, my name is Anja. I'm 31 years old and I was born and raised with my two brothers in uh, Germany in a very small town uh, near Aachen, which is almost directly uh, to the border of the Netherlands and Belgium. And since I was a kid, I've had a great passion and interest for foods. I actually went on a special high school with a sub-department for nutritional science and also hospitality management that already taught me at a very young age the ABC of foods and cooking, but also household keeping, which was a very important feature back then for future wives. <laughs> I was, yeah, the school was a bit uh, old fashioned. However, it's, uh, it really taught me a lot. Um, however, after my high school diploma, I uh, didn't really know what to do. So I just followed the advice of my parents, which was back then to do something in science that uh, would actually bring me some money. Um, so I started um, studying a relatively unknown study called Georesources Management. I'm pretty sure you've never heard about it. Uh, so did I before I started uh, studying it. And within this bachelor study, I actually did not um, get engaged with any food. I analyzed um, rock formations, determined boreholes and crunched a lot of numbers in math and chemistry and physics um, to be prepared to work in the extractive uh, industry. So um, I was desperately looking for a study that would bring me closer again to my initial interest, which was food. Um, so I found a master study in, in Berlin in uh, agriculture science at the Humboldt University. And luckily I got accepted. So I packed my stuff uh, and moved to Berlin and started my, my, my study there, which felt much more like me. And um, whilst I was studying there, one of my former flatmates from Aachen, she uh, told me, hey, why don't you connect with a guy called Cyril to uh, practice your French? And uh, Cyril and I, the guy was called Cyril, uh, Cyril would never speak a word of French, but uh, we would become actually really good friends and also later co-founders. Um, but of course, we did not know all this back then. <laughs> and he was... Um, also the one that started convincing me to, uh, to work for a food tech startup called Delivery Hill after I graduated with my master's. So um, back then he was, he was there, the head of innovation in, in a department. And 
Um, for everyone that doesn't know Delivery Hero, De Delivery Hero is um, a multinational online food delivery service based in Berlin that operates now in 40 countries with a total funding of, I had to look it up as well, it's uh, actually $5 billion they, they received in funding. And I guess you joined also in the very early stage of the company. So I guess also that was a very good hands-on experience getting into the whole startup environment, I can imagine. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was indeed a, an interesting phase to, to join this company. Really, really learned a lot, but uh, yeah, it was also a very intense experience in my professional career. I really worked uh, from the early morning until the, the late night, but still a very good experience. But after almost uh, three years, I just needed a, a break. So I quit in September 2016. From one day to another, it was just an intuition and I really did not know what to do uh, then. So I called my friend uh, Cyril again, who was at that time not working anymore at Delivery Hero. He was in um, Kuala Lumpur with another good friend of mine. And um, they were the ones that actually convinced me to come over to, um, to work with them. And a few days, a few weeks later, I just packed my stuff and um, left to Malaysia not knowing what to expect. <laughs> now coming to Shiloh, so what, uh, what motivated you to start the company as well as, you know, how did you actually get started? So in Malaysia, we already started thinking, Sarah and I, we already started thinking about potential business ideas, but it was more a bit of fooling around. Uh, we were having breakfast, um, frequently having breakfast where we would brainstorm about uh, potential ideas and uh, start bringing them on a paper and evaluating them and mapping them out. And I, uh, I weighed myself in, in, in Malaysia and I saw I, I gained a few kilograms and I totally freaked out. And uh, uh, Cyril brought me some, uh, some noodles without calories. And this was my first experience or this was yeah the first time I got in touch with konjac noodles back then that doesn't have any uh, any kind of calories and I saw these noodles and I thought wow this is really great they are noodles and even something that looks like rice and it doesn't have any cal calories but I opened the pouch and it was it was super disgusting and then um, we started joking around and saying hey come on let's let's try to to find uh, these noodles actually delicious in a delicious way and then uh, start selling them uh, on the German market um, and that's how everything started. We, we started looking for a supplier that would sell us or produce these, these konjac noodles uh, in a dry form. And we, we actually found one supplier after, after one year, because uh, usually if you buy konjac products, uh, they are always in, in, in a kind of fishy liquid. They are not yummy at all, but we managed to, to find a supplier that produces them dry, which is a novelty in, in, in Europe and actually throughout the whole world. And that's then we started selling them, first of all, to our family and friends. We did some, prepared some pouches on our own and um, did some tests. Uh, we handed out feedback forms, um, asked them what's important for them, how's the taste, how much would you pay for it, and gathered our first feedback. Um, before we then, in the second step, uh, went in, into the product deve uh, development itself. But at the beginning, it was, it was just 
an idea we were fooling around with over over breakfast. We we never thought back then that uh, we would ever get into the noodle business or in the in the weight loss business. Uh, just for some clarification, I guess konjac is kind of like a tub tubular root, like sweet potato or something. Yeah, almost. Um, so you were right in saying that konjac is a, it's it's not the alcohol, it's not the drink. It's a tuber indeed that grows uh, typically in um, in Asian in, in Asian regions, and the characteristics about this tuber is that it's very low on carbs but very high on fiber. Okay. And how did, how did that? I mean, <clears throat> finding the supplier of, of selling this and exporting to Germany, did you go to let's say Asia to find that you know find which one provides the best supply, or how do you do that? We looked everywhere for for a supplier from Alibaba to hiring people, local people on the ground that would look for producers for us because it was so difficult because the typical way konjac is consumed is yeah in, in this in this liquid in this liquid sticky way. But it's um um by accident we got in contact with a Japanese producer who sent us some um, some uh, samples then, but they were really really expensive, which were yeah until now the, the only dry konjac noodles that we could find. I know it sounds not special if we talk about dry noodles because it seems to for you it seems to be totally normal to consume uh, or to 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 buy noodles uh, that, that are dried or, or, or rice. But uh, for this type of product, it's, it is very special and so difficult to produce that you, you can barely find it. And even until now, it's one of our USPs that, that we are selling these products uh, dried. There's only one competitor out there that is selling these kind of products uh, dried as well. So I never heard of konjac noodles before, and I'm sure a lot of people haven't either. How did you kind of educate people through the sales process to get them convinced to take a chance on it if they never tried it before? This is a good, very good question. So at the beginning, of course, we also haven't heard of, of Conjac as well. So it requires uh, an educational part. Uh, you first of all have to explain what this product is really or what the characteristics of the, the product is, which is uh, in this case that it's very low in carbs. It's it's super low in calories, our noodles. And usually if you if you eat uh, noodles and rice, they are very starchy. They are very high in, in calories. They, they contain around about 120 calories. So it's no comparison to, to our products that only contain 28 calories um, per 100 gram. But of course, people that have been never in contact with Conjac before. They need this information to know what kind of product they are consuming. But uh, we did really, really well. So we handed out some information material. We looked for partners, especially affiliate partners at the beginning that would test our product, but also explain a bit more about our products, but also our philosophy uh, about our values uh, as well and would feature us. And this goes actually really, really well. So you said you had affiliate partners promote your mm -hmm. product for you. How did you get those relationships with people and what was your main strategy for getting those key relationships? At the beginning, it was just, we, we looked, yeah, at the beginning, we did not really know, first of all, who's our target audience, 
how could we reach out to the to 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 our customers these are all just hypotheses and you have to test different channels and we just had a small budget budget to test um, these different channels and it was just uh, a, a, tr a try with uh, various affiliate partners some of them um, did not convert at all but we were really really lucky i i will never forget our first experience with our bloggers she's still blogging for us frequently so she posted a very nice blog post about our our company our values as well and of course our products and we were not prepared at all we we did not have enough product on stock back then we produced ourselves so we did everything from the pr production uh, to to the delivery but we just thought okay this 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 blog post um, can't convert that that well but uh, actually overnight we got almost 200 orders in and we were really really struggling to fulfill all these orders because we had to start from scratch by getting the raw materials packing them into the pouches and uh, uh, sending them bringing them to 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 the post yeah but it's still it's uh, affiliate marketing is uh, one of our strongest uh, channels that converts most of the people we've had on talk about like digital products. So I think it's interesting that we're talking about a, like a food product here, but I think the same, same principles apply about testing and iteration and yeah, just experimenting with things to see what it works. So how long was it until you found some good recipes that work? And what was that experimentation process like for you guys to come up with some good recipes, you know, for the noodles and the, and the flour and things like that? Oh, it's uh, still ongoing until now. We are still testing a lot. When when we when we launched our companies, our company we launched with five products. Uh, we we uh, sold the raw materials. We had um, we developed our own uh, weight loss uh, shake with the konjac flour, and also two ready meals. Uh, but what we what we did not know at this point how difficult it is to assemble these uh, ready uh, ready meals and also how much money it's, it 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 requires to get all the different ingredients from from different suppliers, which also implies uh, to have a proper quality management because you have to make sure that um, also the the, the the different ingredients are coming into in in a proper in a proper quality. Uh, so we started with this five products, but we saw relatively soon that the raw materials, the, the raw noodles and also the rice converted best because our target group knew how to how to cook with the product. So we decided uh, a half a year after we launched to just go back and focus on our two best sellers, which which were the um the raw noodles and, and rice and to get rid of, of the ready meals that were so difficult in, in the assemblement um, and also in the procurement. Because if you if, if you imagine back back then we packed everything uh, our, 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 by ourselves and if you have ready meals with 12 different ingredients, first of all, you have to make sure that you have enough of every single ingredient uh, that you store it properly. And also if you want to put the, the different ingredients together, you have to fulfill 12 times, uh, 12 ingredients, then you have to close it and yeah, also uh, store it properly. It was really, really difficult. 
So it was a good decision back then uh, just to focus on, yeah, on these two products. However, now we saw also with more information of our target group, what they actually want. They started requesting again, hey, do you have conjac flour? Do you have ready meals in this kind of flavor? And um, we are actually in, in the in pursue at the moment to, to launch uh, three new products that have been requested of over more uh, more than uh, one year by, by our customers. But again, before we before we produce them in a, in a big batch, we now have a producer, luckily. We still follow our, our really initial process. We've, we we, uh, we um, test uh, the, the, the product in a very small scale by, by producing a, a small batch by our own and then testing them with our customers, asking for feedback until we, we launch a proper uh, product. So I really don't know anything about sort of physical distributions and all that stuff. I'm a complete noob in that area. So I mean, how, how is that, right? Setting up a factory and all these processes and, and hiring people to a factory. I mean, there must be a lot of learnings there as well. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Um, yeah, at the beginning, I'm, of course, I have this experience in, 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 in food science. I have this great passion. And of course, when before I started Chileo, we, we, we had to engage with, with the legal requirements. There are a lot of laws that um, regulate the, the food industry that you, that you have to know before you start a business. It's really, really crucial. Otherwise, you get in really big problems. So uh, we, we read a lot before we, we, we found Chileo. And by starting the, the, the whole business by our own, doing the assemblement from putting stickers on the pouches to filling the ingredients to the procurement, we knew already what kind of processes we have to set up because we did everything on our, our own. We, mistakes, of course, also happened on our side and we knew exactly when we instructed or delegated the, the assemblement uh, to a factory, we knew exactly what, what's important and what needs to, to, to be closely managed in order to get a, a proper product. But until now, it's, it's still a learning for us as well. I can, I can give you an example. Um, in January, we got a lot of customer requests um, that, or complaints that were saying, hey, you um, you claim to to sell um, nine noodle nests in, in your product, but uh, in the pouches itself, there are only eight noodle nests, which is a difference of 25 grams. And our products are, are kind of premium products. Our noodles are not cheap at all. Uh, one pouch costs uh, $7.95. And it was a really, really big issue. And of course, some um, customer could have thought, um, may thought, uh, we did it on purpose, but we did not do it on purpose. It was a mistake that happened in, in the factory where a handicapped person always calculated the, the wrong amount of noodle nest. He thought there <laughs> only only eight nests have to 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 be filled into into the pouch, but actually it was nine. And um, we solved that that issue back then by just reimbursing the customer and explaining the situation. And thank God we have such lovely customers they are really understanding they are appreciating the fact that we are not producing abroad that we want to support the, the german industry and also handicapped people and all of them no one of them actually left us a, a bad review somewhere they were all understanding but mistakes happen and now it's it's going really well
And you said that you guys self-funded the beginning of the company. Have you received any additional investment or have you just bootstrapped it until now? And what has your approach been on, on accepting investment from outsiders? Well, um, until a few weeks ago, uh, we were totally self-funded, uh, but we just closed a smaller family and friends round. Um, at the beginning, we decided that it's it's the best best approach for us to to start this business with our own money, and and to start that bootstrap, which I would recommend to to every company that doesn't require a lot of technology or a, a machine investment or something like this. For us, it was the best approach to also stay independent in, in our business and to set up a business that runs just sustainable and also profitable. This is just our philosophy. And we did not want to, to build up a, a startup that is growing super quickly, but it's not profitable and is then totally dependent on external stakeholders. This is just Given our experience also in, in the startup scene, this was just not an option for us. However, at some point we struggled as well because bootstrapping is not, not easy at all. Our, our business was luckily always doing well, but the first years, it just requires a lot of investment. It took all of my savings um, and, and all of my time. And um, I'm very grateful for, for this experience, but it's very tiring as well. So um, I would not recommend bootstrapping to everyone, but for us, it was just the best approach. But also now with uh, having, uh, having the investment of our family and friends, some of them supported us from, from day one. We are also very, very happy to have this now to uh, put some more money into marketing and product development. And mentioning also uh, profitability, I mean, what were sort of the most important metrics that you guys were following, especially for your food startup? You know, do you sort of look at profitability versus growth versus other metrics? Um, profitability, profitability was always the, very important for us because we had to manage our resources or our, our money um, uh, in, a, in a very considerate way. Um, of course, the, the unit economics are very important. We, to be honest with you, we did not have a business case. The business case came much later. Actually, now that we received the, the funding, we started working on our business case with the historical numbers we now have. So we now know with with the bigger certainty that the business case we calculated is actually a realistic picture of of, of our business. But at the beginning, um, we started focusing on 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 just a few KPIs. For instance. Of course, we are an e-commerce startup. It's the conversion rate, it's the customer happiness, the cost, the, the, the cost of uh, good good tools are very important to determine a proper price. But also, if it comes to B two B marketing, uh, where you have to 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 lower your margins, it's really good to know yeah how much a unit actually costs you, and how how much you can reduce. Uh, the, or, or lower the, the net price. Apart from that, customer happiness is key. It's very difficult to 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 measure this, but I think it's crucial at the, at the early stage to get in contact with really every customer to hear what what they really liked about your product, but also what what they would improved. We did this by getting in contact with every customer. 
that ordered through our website. And until now, some of the messages we, re we respond to uh, even person. Yeah, these are the most important metrics. I would say maybe maybe overhead expenses as well. Don't underestimate your overhead expenses. Um, until now, we have a total remote setup. And when uh, the, the, the Corona crisis hit in, we were so grateful of having such low fixed costs. We knew nothing can actually, nothing can happen to our business because we know the core business itself is profitable, which is very, very important for us, which and makes us also dependent from, from external funding. If, if you totally rely on external funding and you have a expected profitability in, in, a, in a few years and then you miss your funding round, you, you, you can close your business or you can, you can lay off a, your, your, your employees. But in, in our case, we know whatever happens, the, our, our core business is, is protected or is uh, self-sustainable. Self and is this being impacted also with the coronavirus? So, I mean, I'm sure they might have impacted the business as well. Yes, at the beginning, we thought the, 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 the Corona crisis would not hit us so hard. And luckily in terms of orders, we are still growing month over month organically. However, relatively soon our factory was closed because handicapped people are, are perceived as, as high risk group to, to the coronavirus. So they were all sent home and um, um, we are selling around about 100 pouches per day. And we knew, okay, we have a relatively good stock uh, in our warehouse. However, we had to go back to the manual production again. Um, so my co-founder and also my family and all of our friends um, that we could assemble together, they started producing again manually to cover the, the demand of our, our, of our business. But uh, luckily, until now, we still managed to, to fulfill every order. And with the, with the experience we had from the very early days, we also knew what to do. We knew exactly what needs to be done. Uh, so in this case, it, it, it was really beneficial. But um, one week ago, we, we got a request for a very big order that we actually had to refuse because uh, the container from Asia was postponed. And it uh, comes around about one and a half months later than expected. And uh, in order not to be short um, on, on, on stock for our own customers, we had to refuse this, this big order. But still, we, we've been minorly impacted by, by, by the coronavirus. And we are still doing good and we, we are very grateful for this. But um, of course, there, there's a, there's a an impact on, on, on the global value chains. I saw on your website that you have a subscription option for your your products as well, which makes a lot of sense from a like cash flow perspective. Helps you kind of predict the money in each month. But I think the subscription for food is still a relatively new idea. Yes. What percentage of your customers are use that kind of service and how do you kind of convince them to switch from just paying when they need they want some to a subscription and committing to that? The percentage is still relatively low. However, um, subscriptions model are very attractive for us as, uh, as well. Um, the typical customer behavior is 
that they first they don't want to go into a subscription immediately. They want to place a test order. They want to test your product. And if they're really convinced, they order typically three or four times until they jump into into a subscription, which gives them uh, a financial advantage. It's it's just cheaper than 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 the normal product. But still, you have to be very very flexible. Uh, it's not like back in the old back in the old days when when you had a subscription and you could not get out or just uh, had a termination period of three months or whatsoever no this, this this just doesn't work for for especially our target audience that is that is a bit uh, older uh, they are not used to have a sub subscription or they're very very careful with this but um, with our terms and condition that allows them to to quit any time still a decent amount of customers jump into a subscription and we also aim for improving the service uh, by providing a more customized solution with our new product we want to uh, build customized packages where the customer can choose month over month what actually gets in, in, in uh, into the into the box as delivered to to them these are all features that from my point of view you have to um, have to offer it to uh, to build up a successful subscription service. What do you know now about running this food company that you wish you would have known when you started? Ooh, uh, where should I start? A lot of things. <laughs> um, let's phrase it this way. If I would have known uh, what kind of challenging path or interesting, let's let's call it interesting path. It would be to set up a startup from scratch. I'm not sure if I would have done it, but still, I'm, I'm really grateful for every kind of experience uh, I, I had. I'm I appreciate the fact the fact that whenever you are struggle or you come across a problem, you start developing, and this is something I appreciate about Shilio a lot, it's, it's teaching me really a lot about myself, but also of course uh, about businesses. So if I would go back in time and would see myself at the beginning, I would just, I think, um, give myself a big hug and say, <laughs> it's, it's tell to myself, everything is going to be fine. Because in the end, that's, that's how it is. I, I struggled at the beginning very much with, self-doubt, uh, anxieties as well, because you don't have a frequent income. You don't have a typical lifestyle. I had uh, over more than one and a half years, people coming to my home, working, working from, from there. So I did not even have had a, had a cut between work and, and my private life. And it, it got to me after, after a while. And I uh, had a lot of sleepless nights where, where, whereas now I'm, I'm much calmer. I'm, I, I know better how to, to tackle these, these, these struggles and also challenges I, I faced in, in, yeah, in, the, in the daily managing of, uh, of Shileo. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. So what uh, quote did you bring with you today? The quote, um, it fits a bit to what I explained before and what I, what, what I learned uh, the hard way. It's uh, self-care is giving the world the best of you instead of what is left of you, which uh, should be a reminder for every founder out there who uh, might struggle as well. 
take take care of you invest in in yourself trust in yourself be bold have confidence in your abilities um and uh, yeah make sure you you don't get a get a burnout and um yeah it's just supposed to be fun as well it's not only i mean setting up a business is, is not easy at all but it's still it should bring you a lot of joy as well and sometimes you forget it in in your daily work you just think from one day to another but still passion it's still something that uh, really gives you a lot of motivation and also drive and fulfilling and is teaching you so much i think we should really be reminded and look for the fun in our daily work but also not forget about ourselves and and where can our listeners connect with you online uh they can either connect with me on linkedin or facebook as well or through shilio thanks so much for listening today and for making it to the end of the episode i hope you learned something Our theme song is The Vendetta by Stefan Kartenberg. If you want to connect with us or send in your guest recommendations, drop us a line at lunch.learn at gmail.com or connect with Alex or myself on LinkedIn. Otherwise, have a great week and we'll see you next time on Launch and Learn. Sorry, I'm just breaking my table.